What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Raise the Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. With Doctor Strange being everywhere lately, we decided to dedicate an episode to the man himself. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. All right, all right. Raise the Geek issue 24 being recorded right now. Don, Labor Day weekend. Big plans, barbecuing. What you got going on, man? How you doing? Chris, what is up today, my friend? Yes, Labor Day weekend. Uh, I don't know. Might hit a might hit a little gathering here in a little while. A buddy of ours is um having some couple people over, think getting the grill going. Labor Day is the um, probably not official last day of spring, but it just spring, summer, last day of summer, but it signifies the end of summer in your mind. Like if Memorial Day is the beginning, I guess Labor Day can be considered the end. So mm-hmm. soak up these last few few chances to get outside, maybe uh, socialize a little bit with people. And so, yeah, I might hit that up here. Uh, this is an Illinois event, so I'm sorry, my friend. I know. As we as we got destroyed in Warzone last night, I was repeatedly told about how I'm going to miss out on a barbecue unless I took a red-eye flight this morning for a day <laughs> to come up to uh, attend a barbecue that would need to be amazing. <laughs> I just assume that every day in Texas is barbecue season. You guys got to be like flipping burgers 365 or at least like Mostly. doing some doing some ribs everything yeah you gotta you gotta do it i mean you have the ability to keep doing it there's only those couple like january february you really don't granted this year we had that freeze so when i had no power i was forced to go out there in the snow and use the grill because that was the only way we were going to eat any hot food was grill it up so i was out there in february doing my grilling trying to stay alive (laughs) i forgot it snowed in texas and that was that whole crazy thing it feels like like a multiverse yeah (laughs) It feels like the multiverse of Texas to think yeah. that that was something that really happened. It branched out. Something happened. <laughs> something happened. There was some variant event <laughs> that happened. Or Nexus event. Nexus event. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. What was it? What happened that caused us to uh, get this crazy freeze that almost destroyed Texas, collapsed our grid? You had the the watcher looking over you like, what if yeah. <laughs> I had a blizzard. <laughs> if I would have looked up oh in the sky, God. I might have been able to see him, you know, watching to see what happened. Oh, that's that's cool. good. That is good. <laughs> that is good. That is good. That sounds like fun, man. I think I'm going to give into the hype and order myself an AEW all out pay per view to this, this evening. Give it a watch. Uh, yeah. CM Punk coming back, making all the news. Think it's got my hype. I got my CM Punk shirt on. I'm uh, yeah. ready, to, ready to go here. I think I'm going to give into the hype and order a wrestling pay-per-view that i haven't ordered in eight years nine years haven't yeah man been a while give it a, sh- give it a shot see what uh, old cm punk if his skills are still to the same level seven yeah. years later if he's able to you know deliver the same kind of stuff i know every a lot of people seem to be excited about his return and everything even i like a lapsed wrestling fan tuned into when he first showed up uh like last week or week and a half ago at the yeah. united center and he's been uh doing the rounds on AEW, and now he's got his first match back right so yep that's tonight i'm assuming it's gonna be the main event so they have a couple other surprises and i've been kind of focusing a little bit more AEW's kind of waking me up a little bit going 
what's going on over here so yeah you're just like peeking through the shades like is it am i ready to come back yeah and i might just be so that's what i'm looking at right now we'll see i I struggle spending money so don't we all don't we all? we do we do it's kind of a thing but don we got so much to talk about because you and i are almost done with horizon zero dawn they announced all kinds of sequel plans and news and notes that i'd love to hear what you think about we have patty jenkins running her mouth about streaming movies. I want to hear everything that you got to say about that. And then, as we said in the opening, Doctor Strange, we just want to break down. We're seeing that character in What If. We're seeing that character in, in uh, sequel movies and Spider-Man and everything else. Just a kind of a under-talked about character, I think, you know, he's for being as much as he's been in. So we wanted to deep down a little bit. And Don and I both rewatched Doctor Strange this week. Just we been did. first time for you since theaters. I watched it recently, but watched it again. So we got a lot to talk about. But first, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow this podcast on all social media and podcast services. Hit us up with those five-star reviews. Make sure you write where you're writing in from so we can give you a proper shout-out on the show. If you want to join the conversation, make sure you like and follow us on Twitter at Raise the Geek and shoot us an email with any questions, comments, concerns you might have at RaiseTheGeek at gmail.com. We appreciate all the love and support that we are getting on the social media services. We hit a thousand yet or are we just under? No, it's like 950. We're in the home stretch there. Home so stretch, almost a thousand followers, which is awesome. We appreciate all of you guys for following and just keep having us in the conversation all those little tags are awesome they're helping us out grow the show so we appreciate that so keep that up tell your friends like subscribe and follow yeah man the community there is really fun we like interacting with people who you know think the same things we do about movies and comics and stuff because you know we don't know a lot of those people in our real lives that's why we geek out to each other Mm -hmm. so it's nice to find groups of people who um you know think the same way and theorize about things and enjoy things like we do. So it's been really fun. Yeah. And if you, and if you're enjoying our show, there's a bunch of other community watching comics is one that we've talked about quite a bit and we overlap a lot of content with them and they have a lot of great stuff. So definitely you'll find some other good shows if you're starved for content, which I don't think any of us are actually starved for content, but there's plenty of it. There's plenty. There's plenty. Um, But so this week, Don, Yes. We finally got a lot of Horizon Forbidden West. Now, we talked about this game. This was a PS4 game by Guerrilla Games. Uh, came out in, I think, 2017, 2018. I didn't look that up because I'm a terrible at this job. <laughs> Zero Dawn. Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Horizon yes, Zero Dawn yes, came yes. out a few years ago. Don and mm-hmm. I are just finally getting to it and really been playing through it. I finished it this week. Don's got about one mission left in the DLC, and he's wrapping this up. So we're going to kind of talk about a little bit of our impressions. But before that, they did announce the sequel, Forbidden West, is getting a release date of February 18th, 2022. Exciting. And, yeah, and then they kind of announced this thing where it's going to be this cross PS4, PS5 game. And they started some controversy with this saying, hey, PS4 and PS5, but there's going to be no upgrade path. So now a lot of games have been coming out and you get a free PS5. So like I bought Assassin's Creed on PS4, got a free version of it on PS5 that I downloaded. So I still have to put the PS4 disc in my game, but I can Mm -hmm. play the digital version of the PS5. And then there have been some that have been doing like, here's $10 you know pay pay for an upgrade i know like tony hawk pro skater one and two wants me to pay ten dollars to upgrade my version to the ps5 version so it's been all kinds of things well with horizon forbidden west they decided there's gonna be no path 
You buy a PS4 copy, you buy a PS5 copy. The only way that you can get both is if you buy the $80 version of this game. So you can spend $60 for a PS4 version, $70 for a PS5 version, or $80 to get them both with a bunch of other garbage that most people won't use from past the first opening 10 minutes of the game. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of controversy. So before we talk about the role reversal in this a little bit, how does that, I mean, I know we both have PS5, so it's kind of a moot point for us to talk about, but how do you feel about this upgrade path for PS4 to PS5? Does it, I mean, if you were had a PS4 game, just imagine you don't have a PS5. Yeah, let me let me use my imagination here. Use your imagination. Yeah, multiverse it. Go back. Go to go to the version of Don that's still playing on a PS4. How would this make you feel? Would you want? Would you? I mean, if you know you're going to get a PS5 as soon as you can get one, because we're still dealing with all these shortages that they're now saying this week could stem. It won't be till 2023 before we see this stuff on the shelf because they can't get these chips in. So, I mean, how would this make you feel? I mean, would you buy? What would you buy? Well, you know, they, they've done their flip-flop now where yeah. they're, they're, they're going back on it. But, yeah. a, like, with the original announcement of, you know, the only way to experience it on a PS5 once you, let's say you didn't have one and you do get one and you want to play the game on PS5, is now you have to buy the game again, the PS5 version. If I was a PlayStation 4 owner who planned on getting a PS5 eventually and just hadn't been able to yet, this would be pretty frustrating to me. Um, It kind of boils down to money for them. I know it's just their way of making as much money as possible, but being in a time where nobody can get this PlayStation 5, like, like we've said, we're, we feel lucky that we were able to get them by now, but there's a lot of people who haven't. So like for them and me putting myself in that position, if it was me, I would totally be like, man, that's kind of, shitty you know what i mean just like uh as a loyal sony player i feel like they should they should want you to be able to experience the game um as it's intended like i i always thought originally this game was going to be a ps5 exclusive anyway right and it it might even just be coming on ps4 because there's been such a shortage of ps5s and not enough people can get them you know what i'm saying so uh yeah i don't know the 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 announcement I can tell kind of ticked people off and the community was kind of in an uproar. That might be part of the reason why they they've now flip flopped here in the last couple of days, making a more legitimate path for yeah. PlayStation four players to upgrade to PS five in a much easier way. So yeah, to answer yeah. your question, I would be upset about it. Yeah. And, and realistically, if they held with that and I had a PS four, I probably would wait until I had a PS five. I would, I would delay on the game. I wouldn't buy the game on a PS four right. without, without some kind of an upgrade path. I might, if I was really, really pumped, I might buy the $80 like we did with the black ops call of duty right. this year, spent the extra 10 bucks, got the four PS four and PS five game. I might follow that route, but chances are there's a better chance that I would just be like, you know what? Screw it. I'll wait yeah. until later. And you know, you know what? I think that's what they're worried about happening. Part of the reason why they flip-flop now is they don't want people to wait. They want to get their numbers in like that first week. PlayStation 4 um, owners who have that idea of getting the PS5 once they can. Mm-hmm. Being like, well, get the game anyway. Just buy it now. We want you to buy it now. We don't want you to wait. Don't wait until you get a PS5. We don't know when you're going to get a PS5, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest. So buy the game we'll make it so you can play it on your ps5 when you do get it so i i feel like that's probably at the core of this flip what's so crazy to me and i'm gonna play devil's advocate here is 
every other generation. So we went from PS3 to PS4, right? They mm-hmm. had games that were on both Call of Duty, Ghosts, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Those games were on both PS3 and PS4. Grand right? Theft Auto 5. Grand yeah. Theft Auto 5, but you had to buy them. I remember launch day. Assassin's Creed 4, you could buy it on PS3 or you can buy it on PS4. There was no cross. There was no yeah. thing. Now, of course, it's different because there was no backwards compatibility from PS3 to PS4. Yeah. But still, it's just crazy. Like every other generation, it's like you get PS5 games, you get PS4 games. And they've been dual launches before when the, the generation just starts. And there's no, nobody, nobody's ever said anything before. So it's like, what what is it about this generation that's like people want? Because, I mean they don't have to do any of this. I mean, I know Xbox is doing their smart delivery and they're saying, Hey, you get all of these paths and they're, they're being very consumer friendly. And, and it, it does that just make this conversation harder for Sony when they're just like, Hey, we've always done business in the way of you buy the game for the system that you want to play it on. And that's your decision to make. We're just giving you the options. You make the decision, but now we're in this weird culture and this way thing where we're just going to complain about it on Twitter until we get what we want. And it's just kind of a yeah. crazy thing where I'm like, man, this wouldn't happen any other, any other generation. Any other generation for. You just bought whatever the new game was for whatever system you own. So what is different this time? I think it's probably just the scarcity of PlayStation 5, mm-hmm. which, which I kind of just touched on. Because if I remember in, in previous generations of systems, like you had a PS3, PS4 comes out. Now, you may not be able to find a PlayStation 4 right away. Like, the initial first rush to get that thing is hard, like, around Christmas time. But it wasn't this long. It, it was not, we're going on how long, a year of PlayStation 5, and people still can't get them. Um, so I feel like that probably plays into the decision, because back then, if a game's PS3 and PS4, and you have a PS3, if you want the game bad enough on the new-gen system, you can just walk into Best Buy and buy it. You can just walk into, uh, you know, I was going to say Circuit City, but I think those have been gone for quite a Yeah, that's a a (laughs) Circuit City. But you could like walk into your to a retail store and it's not going to take you 10 months to track the thing down. You know what I'm saying? So back then they might have been like thinking, well, if somebody wants to play this game badly enough on the new gen, they can find it and buy it that way. Mm Just the just the unavailability of the PlayStation 5 is, I think, what's really upsetting people is like, well, I want to play this game on PS5, but I cannot get one. Yeah. So like, so what are you going to do for me that makes me want to buy this game now and still, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so no, I know exactly what you're saying. And I'm sure that that's right. It's just it's just a weird thing when you step back and just be like watching these businesses and make all of these de- decisions different than how stuff's just always been done before it's always just been like yeah. here's the game buy it for what you want to buy it for if you have a ps5 cool and uh you just did it and now this time it's like we're we're expected we're demanding and just expecting hey i want two versions of this game i want the ps4 and the ps5 version now yeah and i mean also you touched on it a little bit the the time we're living in where everyone seems to have more of a voice yeah uh through social media like twitter and tiktok and everything millennials and gen z or gen y whatever you want to call them everybody can now you can almost talk directly to these companies when you never could before yeah like voices are being heard at a much louder rate than in years before so if enough people get together and say this is we're your customers this is not what we want 
you should try to give us what we want because we're the ones paying for this stuff. Mm-hmm. And these companies are hearing it because it's presented to them in this new way where it's like, oh, we never heard you guys before because you couldn't talk to us like this. Now right. you can talk to now you can talk to us like this. Now you can retweet us and like send it out to millions of people and they all read and they're like, yeah, that's right. We don't like this either. And like after that happens, you know, keep stacking those on top of each other. Companies are just like, whoa, well, this is this is people are catching people's notice like oh this is not good this is not a good look so all the pr negative pr that all kind of factors into this and um i don't know it's crazy yeah i mean hey it works and like as we said sony reversed and now they said there will be a path and as far as i'm aware it is free um so Mm -hmm. if you buy the ps4 version you get the ps5 version for free um so you don't have to spend any extra money and as we were talking about before we hit record it's crazy to think too, and they're going to have to make some kind of adjustment on this because right now the PS4 game is $60 and the PS5 game is 70 So as you said, why wouldn't I buy the PS4 game and just get my free upgrade and then I can play it on my PS4 or I can play it on my PS5 and, <laughs> right. you know, everything's to find the, to find, yeah. Finding those loopholes already. Uh, yeah. um, we also said offline that, that then now they'll probably make adjustments to that price point. With with this announcement, we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, they've already they've already now caved on forcing people to spend double money. Are they gonna want to lose that ten dollars from every sale as well for the PS5 yeah. people? Right, exactly. Who don't think so. Who who just don't know that? But I mean, you, how many articles are we going to see coming out when that launch week? Hey, you yeah. can save ten dollars by buying yeah. the PS4 version for your PS5. IGN will come out with an article or something like, oh, yeah. "Why are you going to buy the the PS5 version when you can just play the PS4 version at PS5 quality? Save yeah. your ten bucks, send yeah, it. On you get the PS5 else. version." So I, yeah, I'm very curious to see. But it wasn't the only Horizon news that we got this week because Horizon Zero Dawn got a 4K 60 frames per second performance patch for PS5 players. And as you told me when you announced, when you sent me a text that said, dude, they did this patch, this game looks amazing. And now Horizon Zero Dawn was an amazing looking game already. Uh, Playing it on the PS5 was awesome. You throw it on that internal hard drive and your loading times go down to like 10 seconds instead of a minute and a half. Uh, But yeah, this game was gorgeous. Playing through the DLC with this patch in this week and finishing this game up this week, it was like stunning. Running around the frozen wilds with all of the snow and with all the craziness yeah i had a lot of fun with this game uh mostly with the dlc as i told you the frozen wilds dlc came out eight months later after the game and the original game i was playing through and i was originally going i think i'm gonna wait for forbidden west for a price Mm -hmm. drop a sale i'll just give it some time and let it sit and i'll get to it when i get to it sure Playing through the Frozen Wilds almost made Forbidden West a, like a day one purchase for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that DLC. They tightened up their storytelling. They made their side missions fun and not just fetch quests or stupid little errands. They mm-hmm. made like puzzles and all kinds of crazy stuff that they put in that DLC, which has me so excited for Forbidden West and seeing what they did now with the next gen. What are they going to do with just coming off of that? Um, so I really did enjoy Horizon Zero Dawn overall i put 26 hours in it i think i put in the close in the book on it for right now and i think i'm good yeah. i can move on but how are you feeling as we're wrapping up this game like i said you're down to your last mission how are you feeling sure. about zero dawn and your experience yeah i talked about it a little bit previously when we brought this game up before you know people are going to start thinking we're a horizon zero dawn stand account 
Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine. We both like the game, uh, yeah. however long it took us to get there. I, I just have had a lot of fun with the game, the core game, which I completed. And now I'm, like you said, closing in on finishing the uh, Frozen Wilds DLC. Uh, I just like a lot of what this game brings to the table. You know, it's like a combination of an action adventure and then you got your RPG elements and exploring elements. And, and, and like you said, when the frames per second update happened, it was just like a, a switch flip. And I was just like, Whoa, this is what this game has the potential to look like on this. And this is what forbidden West is going to look like, like right off the bat, like, man, this is a gorgeous game. Like you said, it was a gorgeous PS4 game. And then you don't really realize what the enhancements do for, um, once they do happen, like for a PlayStation 5 or a Xbox, you know, next gen system. But when you see them for the first time in comparison, when you've been playing the other way, you're just like, man, this is what this new generation looks like. And it's just like kind of blows your mind a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's like going from PS2 to PS3 with the HD. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it is. And, and, uh, like you said, this game, the DLC did tighten up the gameplay a little bit, tightened up the storytelling, um, made things a little more, fun to get into like you said not so not such tedious you know side quests made they made everything feel a little more important um the the graphics are are still there like i said uh you now you're in a frozen world and every you get to see some different things that you didn't see in the core game so i feel really feel the dlc complements the game but all in all it just made me super excited for uh forbidden west to me it was going to be a pretty much day one uh buy for me anyway i'm really just into the game i like the story i just mainly want to see the continuation of aloy's adventures so Mm -hmm. um it's been a hell of a lot of fun and can't wait to see what's next with it yeah absolutely i'm super super excited to see where they go and i'm super excited for forbidden west so don before we wrap up this section what are you going to play next? Have you thought it through yet? Are you ready for Ooh. what you got next on your docket for your backlog? What's what's that look like? Man, I still want to get to what everyone was saying was the first game that really um, showcased the capabilities of next gen, which a lot of people were like, oh, well, it's Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. Mm-hmm. And... I've been a Ratchet and Clank guy in the past. Like I've played some of the early games, but this most recent one before Rift Apart, I never played. Now, and it's part of the PlayStation Plus uh, mm-hmm. library that you can just download as a PlayStation Plus member. And I have it sitting there. It's like, man, I'm getting to this game. I'm just gonna play it and see how fun it is. And if it's really is, if it really entertains me and it's fun, then I'm just gonna go ahead and probably jump into Rift Apart and see what that game is about. Mm-hmm. Take a little, you know, take a little break from something that's a little more serious because you know. Uh, Ratchet and Clank is a little more easygoing than some games, uh, but man, I just I really want to see what that what that is. So I think my next game is going to be this um, Ratchet and Clank, the one previous to Rift Apart. I don't remember the subtitle to it. I think that one was technically like a remake of the original, like a redone okay. because it came out when they made the movie. Okay, so I think it's just Ratchet and Clank, the PS4 one, which did get a performance patch as well. So that one should be running at the 60 frames per second in 4K. And supposedly it's gorgeous as well. Yeah, so it might be that one with the intention of making Rift Apart my next PS5 game. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's the idea now. Every anything could change, but uh, that's well, what I'm rolling with at the moment. <laughs> I struggled because the PlayStation Store right now this weekend has Rift yeah. Apart. Uh, like 12% off. So it's like 
six, it's basically 59 bucks. So it's got that $10 off. And I was mm. like, is it time to buy it now? But right, right, right. I went a different path and I picked up the PS, the director's cut Ghosts of Shushima. Yes. And, uh, I've, I've started playing through that. I played through the game. I put like 40 hours into the game on PS4. Loved it. It was like playing a samurai movie. Picked up this uh, director's cut, which is a PS5, full-on PS5 version of the game, as well as an entire DLC expansion. So it gives you a whole new island to explore on top of all of the PS5 upgrades, the controller, the audio, the graphics, the everything. So now this, once again, as we said with Horizon, makes this game, I mean, it was a gorgeous game to begin with. And it's amazing how much better it still looks. Like I was running around these snow areas and these trees. And I was like, this looks like I'm running through like real trees. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, but it was so I'm I'm playing through the last little section, you know, of just clearing through camps and stuff um, to try to remember how to play. And then I was going to jump into the Iki Island expansion. So I was really having fun with that. And I actually jumped into the Friday night. I jumped into the Legends co-op section where they have some raids and co-op missions. And I ended up doing this one story mission. It's like four chapters with some dude. And uh, that was a hell of a lot of fun doing breaking into camps co-op with with another person and doing Mm -hmm. all these stealth kills i remember there was this one badass time where him and i were across the map from each other and there were two dudes standing there talking at the base of this camp and i ran up this rock and i jumped off of the rock to assassinate this one dude and right as i was doing that he came out of this bush and assassinated the other one and we did like stereo assassinations on these two dudes guarding this camp at the same time and then him and i both split off we like crossed each other and went around the other camp the other way to keep picking people off and i was just sitting there like that was awesome, and I, I had no communication there was, with this dude. There wasn't there wasn't an option for a high five, real quick. Dude, yeah, I know <laughs> that was just that was nasty, man. And it was just I came flying over him as he's a sad. It was just perfect, and that was an experience. And I was like, man, this is I could see this being a lot of fun playing through the co op and doing some of that. So I'm, I'm kind of falling back into that one. So I'm excited to nice. I'm excited to get back into that world, put some more hours into that, and play through the expansion because that game was amazing so I'm, I'm super pumped for that one awesome yeah man on my list it's on my list yeah and when you when you do pick it up at whatever point it ends up being we're gonna do some co-op because i think that would be fun as hell to do some co-op with ghosts of shushima yes well up next don patty jenkins is back in the news talking about streaming movies and I why cannot, why i know i cannot wait to talk about this but before we do, we want you to let you know that this podcast is sponsored by Anchor.fm. So this last week, we had CinemaCon. It's what brought us the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. I think I saw, I guess it was last week. But coming out this week from some of the news from that was Patty Jenkins, the director of Wonder Woman 1984. And she made some comments kind of basically still airing some of her grievances about Wonder Woman 1984 having to go full-on uh, day and date with um, HBO for their release uh-huh. and her wanting that have that theatrical um, theatrical experience and saying it really takes away from the movie. So she made some comments that basically rubbed some people the wrong way. So I'm going to read, read through a couple of her quotes here that she said, and then we'll dive into this kind of idea, this structure of streaming versus the theatrical experience right now, just to kind of see where we're at. But this is what she said. I'm not a fan of day and date, and I hope to avoid it forever. The truth is I make movies for the big screen, and I'm I'm okay with people watching it for a second or third time on their phone, but I'm not making it for that experience. 
I love the theatrical experience and I don't understand why we're talking about throwing it away for 700 streaming services that there's no room for in the marketplace. All of these films that streaming services are putting out, I'm sorry, they look like fake movies to me. I don't hear about them. I don't read about them. It's not working as a model for establishing legendary greatness. And yeah. quote. So is she right? Man. Uh, to me, she sounds like someone who's still upset about the performance of Wonder Woman 84. And she's just kind of taking shots at streaming services in general. This This main one, I mean, this sounds like she's going after Netflix, but it's also, you know, HBO Max is the is the company that put out Wonder Woman as a streamer at the same day, you know, same day and date. And it, it kind of sounds like to me, she's just someone who has sour grapes still about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to kind of feel sorry for her or sympathize with her about it, because we all know why these movies are going day and date or or why you know, just look at what's going on in the world. Yeah. That's, that's exactly why. So her movie definitely underperformed. And I feel like now just her being upset about it, she's kind of like taking it out on, you know, other filmmakers who make their movies and they are a Netflix movie that doesn't make them any less of a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. So like kind of taking shots at them seems like kind of an unfair thing. So I'm, I'm not really here for the comments. Like they kind of just ring hollow to me. I, I don't really take, take anything she's saying to heart because you know a filmmaker wants their film to be straight to the screen and like be she says legendary making legendary movies or whatever they all want that but that's not the case for everybody you know every every single movie has a different um path to i don't i don't know exactly what i'm trying to say but like a different path to it it being something and kind of taking a shit on streaming services i don't see what that does for anybody i don't know what what do you i i can see what it do both you make ways. of this i can see it both ways because once again being devil's advocate here i understand the idea of being an artist being a creator trying having your, this vision for what you want and how you're expecting it to be seen on the big screen and what you want that experience to be for people and that's how you crafted this movie wonder woman 1984 was made to be shown on the big screen whether or not it needed to whether or not it was good whether or not we well it wasn't we know it was crap but (laughs) i I mean and if it wouldn't have came to hbo i would have went to the show and saw it and i would have been even more mad at the movie than i already was sitting on my couch on christmas watching it so it it kind of you know it's a double-edged sword with it because i think that there's a lot more people experiencing these movies that wouldn't have right to begin with. So, I mean, you have to kind of play that out, but I, I, I can understand where you'd be disappointed in it. Now, Warner took care of all of those people. Patty Jenkins made more money off Wonder Woman 1984 than she would have off the back end, because I'm sorry, that movie might've had a monster opening weekend, but word of mouth of that movie would have went around of it being shit. Right. And those were, and I fully believe that the critical reviews of Wonder Woman 1984 would have been 10 times worse if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic trying and that they were be the critics were being used as marketing to get people to go to the movies so so many of those reviews were bought because ign giving it an eight or something ridiculous they got paid for that there's no way any just i just can't imagine a critical review coming out of wonder woman 1984 and people being okay with you know her you know banging right. strangers and you know it's just <laughs> i mean it's a, it's a trash movie and i think that it would have had a way worse run 
it would have had a way worse everything. And she probably made 10 times more money. Now, of course, it's not always about the money, but it's just like, eh, I see from a, like I said, from a creative standpoint, I can understand frustration, but it's not trash and to keep taking shots at it just to do it is stupid. There's tons of movies that have been nominated for Academy Awards and even won Academy Awards that are all based on streaming services. They're dumping tons of money. I mean, Apple's dumping massive money. HBO dumps massive money into their movies and their shows. I mean, there's high quality entertainment on these streaming services for the most part. So, I mean, why they look fake? I don't know where she's even coming from <clears throat> with that, you know. Yeah, there's no it looks the the looks fake thing is like a kind of a thing I just laugh at because <laughs> Like I said to you on the side, like, no, your cheetah looked fake. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what that's what looks fake. And I don't know about that about uh, Wonder Woman eighty four being like a legendary film that you're talking about that you were saying needs to be made. There ain't nothing legendary about that movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, Netflix has had Mank, which was nominated for Oscars. Uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven, The Five Bloods. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I mean, there's there's movies that get recognized for how good they are on Netflix. So the whole thing that uh, these movies are like fake movies, I don't I don't really buy that. I don't see where she's going with it. It just kind of seems like, like I said, somebody just sour grapes and upset about it. And maybe that's not the path you want to take in your filmmaking. But some some people, some you know, directors and production companies find that a perfectly fine way to make their movies and they embrace that, uh, you know, model of making a film. So well, and, I don't know. And it comes down to is, and it's something that they have to think about is you can complain about it all day, but there is a chance that we don't come go back to that. There is a chance right. that no studios, it's not going to be worth them dumping $200 million or $150 million into the production of a film because they're not going to see it back. There's a very good chance, you know, the longer that this kind of pandemic rolls on for, the longer we get away from that full on, everyone's comfortable going to the movies again. Because right now, regardless of where you fall, there is a large subsect of people that are like, I'm not going to the movies. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do this because I'm just not comfortable being in a room with that many people. We are coming out from a traumatizing thing of, you know, even if we're vaccinated and even if we feel comfortable going out back into the world, sitting in the movie theater for two and a half, three hours with a bunch of strangers, you know, some, you know, people yeah. are still uncomfortable being in crowds or being in groups. So it, it is something and we don't know how long that's going to go at what point are people going to be able to step back and go yeah and we really get back to 100 percent normal or will we at all so it's one of those things where now creators directors writers i mean everyone's going to have to adapt to that and realize hey we have these what's the strength of the streaming services so don't just complain about oh they look fake make a movie that plays well on streaming services make something that right. works make something think deeper into your creative pool of what you have and make something that says something without needing a big screen to show us explosions and fancy bad CGI, you know? So, right. You know, that becomes the challenge of the filmmakers and yeah, you might be bummed out because you like the medium that you always worked with, but if it's not there anymore, you have to adjust. <laughs> yeah. Just like all of us in our regular lives, we've had to make adjustments over the past you know, year plus on yeah. just doing things differently. So the releasing of movies and the production of movies shouldn't be any different. They have to make adjustments too. the music industries had to do it. Um, television, everything, uh, just us working our regular nine to fives, you know, everything's different people working from home when they didn't think they would have to 
So we're all having to make these adjustments and Patty Jenkins is not exempt from that. So these comments kind of. Yeah. And and I mean, I understand when you make these movies before the pandemic and these movies have been sitting on the shelf and they were delayed and delayed and delayed trying to get back to it. And then what, for whatever reason, the studios made the decisions they made to release what movies at what time we just had this week, Top Gun two delayed again till next may so it's been two years that was supposed to come out last may and it's going to be two Mm. years since that movie was supposed to be out and it's already been it's been delayed and delayed and delayed because they're just adamant that it needs to be that full screen in theater experience and i'm not saying it won't be awesome if that time comes but i don't know what that looks like or when that is so i understand having a movie on the shelf and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and you want it to be seen the way you made it so now i'm hoping she's she's taking some of these lessons from this idea moving forward if she's going to do wonder woman 3 kind of go okay maybe i need to tone down the scale of this one and make more of an intimate wonder woman movie where you know we deal with something a little bit different that'll play well on hbo max because this is where the movie's probably gonna happen you know i hope she's learning from these things and not trying to fight it and go i want to make this movie for the imax and i'll be damned and it's kind of just i hope that that's the case and i think a good creator would start to think about it at least yeah like you said we all hope we we all have the hope that we're going to get back to normal but you don't know we don't know nope. what's going on. Stuff changes every day. We all want to see Spider-Man and Dune in full theaters, but if if that's not what's in the cards because of what's going on in the world at the time, then um, you know we all got to just make those adjustments. And I and I know speaking of Dune, we have that coming out in October, and the director Dennis Villanueva, I believe, yes. said he. You know, it's going on. It's got to be on the big screen. Why would anyone want to watch this at home? It needs you need to go to the show to see it. And he's trying to push people to go to the movies to see it, even though it's going to be on HBO. And now this is a bigger. It's crazy because this movie was always going to be a gamble because it was always going to be part one. They were going to do half of the book. And then you're like, and I hate when they do this. Mm -hmm. I hate when movies set up for sequels or I hate when movies plan on sequels and it just it makes me nervous anyway because i'm like what am i getting is this even worth watching until part two is announced and coming out because it's very easy for me as much as i want to see this movie to stand back and go let me wait and see how it does because i don't want to watch half a movie because that's exactly as the reviews are coming out it's exactly what this is it's half a movie and Mm. so if they don't green light part two you're just have this half a movie sitting there kind of like alita battle angel if you watch that one that's half a movie yeah yeah it's like half a movie <laughs> they were set up did all this setup for part two that's never going to happen because no one went and saw part one so now it's like they did that with warcraft they do it with all kinds of movies where it's like they're setting up for sequels before they even have the base and even know if people want the movie and i'm hoping that's not the case for dune but regardless because this movie is going to be on hbo you know how many more people are going to watch this movie we're talking about Dune here, right? Dune, yeah. Dune, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you have zero, did you have any interest even watching that epic trailer? If we were a normal time, would that be a movie for you? Uh, probably not in theaters. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't tend to go see like new property sci-fi right away. It's just not like my go-to. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like District Nine or this or or uh, there's been a bunch of others where it looks like a really cool movie but I'm not like clamoring to go see it. And then Dune kind of fell into that, no matter how big the cast is and how good it looks. I'm like, yeah, that looks good. But like, am I going to go see it opening weekend? Maybe I catch it eventually, but 
that's just kind of my preference preferences now but now it being on hbo max i'm i'm gonna probably watch it right away just because yeah. it's sitting there and i'm like oh i can just press play on this sitting on my couch why wouldn't i and 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 then again to like go with what we were talking about i understand what the director daniel villanueva is talking about he wants people to see it and he doesn't understand the urge to watch it at home he knows he knows his movie and that he made it to be seen on the big screen well that is commendable i understand and i sympathize with you but that's just not the way the world is going right now so i mean just just put faith into the idea that you made a good movie and people are going to like it no matter how they take it in, whether it's someone who does want to go to the theater or somebody who doesn't feel comfortable going to the theater and they want to watch it at home, they have that option. So if your movie's good, it's just going to be remembered as a good movie no matter of, you know, no matter which way it's released, if it's a theater at home or a, you know, combination of both. As long as it's a good movie, I think that's all that's really going to matter at the end of the day. Well, and I think he's going to, he'll never say it. I don't, I don't imagine seeing an article of him saying it, but I fully believe that if he gets Dune 2, it's mm-hmm. because of streaming. Right. Because I can guarantee you this movie wasn't going to make enough money to warrant the cost in theaters. I mean, he did Blade Runner 2049, which was hailed as being this beautiful, gorgeous, amazing movie. Nobody went and saw it in theaters and they canceled exactly. all their future plans. So why would this be any different? I mean, if, if anything, Dune is a more dense property. It, I mean, it's in like popular culture. It's known as kind of like a very dense story, a complicated story, an un, you know, translatable story. Um, I remember always growing up hearing about it because it's got a glossary in the back to teach you all the words. You have to, you have to learn a whole other language to read Dune, you know, yeah. and it's so complicated and you know, how, just when all of that is already in the psyche of the culture, knowing that it's yeah. get, what you're getting into is this dense, complicated story. Why would you? And now I think if he gets part two, it's going to be in large part because everybody sat at home and was able to just watch it and said, what's yeah. this doing? And they'll watch it and be like, Oh, this movie's a badass. Let's. You know. Yeah. It's, it's a ton of people watched wonder woman, 84 HBO max. People watched Godzilla versus Kong on HBO Max. A ton of people watched Mortal Kombat. Suicides, Mortal Kombat and Suicide Squad. Like this is I mean, it's a good thing for us. I understand them, like if the, the box office numbers aren't showing because of HBO Max, but people are still seeing your movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, more people are watching it because it's there. Exactly. Exactly. Do, do you so, know what they have they said anything about Suicide Squad? Because I know it considered flopped at the box office. But are they still hailing it as a success? Have you seen anything on that one yet? I don't know if I saw specifically, but I assumed that a lot of people were. It's it. I think it like broke or matched Wonder Woman numbers for HBO Max views. Uh-huh. Um, not not one hundred percent positive on that, but I can't see how it wouldn't. I mean, it was sitting there. I people are just into this thing right now, but in in you know the year of the pandemic being able to watch these movies that are they normally wouldn't have been able to see unless mm-hmm. they went to the theater and they don't want to go to the theater so i don't know i don't know we've we've talked about this a lot but it's just like i see it as a i see it as a all as a good thing i understand it from their point of view that it's not the way they intended their movie to be watched but man it's just you got to make those concessions a little bit and 
there's there's no real answer where everyone's going to be happy. I don't know. No, I I understand. I understand. And we're changing and we'll see how this whole thing goes as we keep moving forward into this. But Don, I want to talk about some Doctor Strange. Let's get to it. That's what we're here to talk about. Well, we're, we've we've kind of, you know, been all <laughs> over the place here, but Doctor Strange um, we've, as I said in the opening, we've seen this character. He's been popping up all over the place recently. Uh, we just most recently saw him in the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, and it looks like he's actually somewhat of a big part in that movie, at least according to the trailer. Whether or not it's a bait and switch, we'll find out hopefully in December. But he also this week had his own What If episode um, now streaming on Disney plus. We're not going to dive into that yet. We're saving that for our, what if part two episode after we get a couple more in the can. So look forward to that coming sooner, but because he's kind of in the focus, we wanted to dive a little bit into the character. Yeah, we did. We, we talked about what our episode should be. And since he's kind of at the top of everyone's mind right now with Spider-Man and, you know, he's got his sequel movie coming, uh, should be the first MCU movie of 2022. And, uh, like you said, he's in what if we can, and, and we haven't been able to talk about this, the Dr. Strange 2016 movie on this podcast, since we've only been a podcast since March. So we kind of <laughs> wanted, to, we kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit. Um, and kind of go into the history of the character a little bit. Uh, Doctor Strange is a fictional character appearing in American comic books, Marvel Comics, and he was created by some of the OGs of Marvel Comics, Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. You all know those names. Uh, the character first appeared in Strange Tales number 110, which the cover was dated July 1963. So he has been around for quite a while. Doctor Strange um, primarily serves as the Sorcerer Supreme in these comics. You all know that word, too, if you pay attention. Uh, he's the primary protector of Earth against magical and mystical threats. Uh, he was kind of introduced during the Silver Age of comic books, like I said, in 63. And he, his whole purpose of coming in and, and kind of changing things up is him to bring a different kind of character and themes of mysticism to Marvel Comics, which kind of didn't exist before. So just me personally, um, I've read some Dr. Strange comics throughout the years. Not, not a ton because he wasn't always a character that super resonated with me. But uh, in 2015, there was a Dr. Strange series written by Jason Aaron and illustrated by Chris Bacallo. And it was a number one. Now, every now and then when I see a new number one in comic books, I'm like, man, I'm going to try it. Like if, even if it's character that I am not super familiar with. I like to give number ones a nice shot. Yeah. And I read that entire run, that Dr. Strange run in 2015. And it was a lot of fun to me. I like Dr. Strange, just his uniqueness from a lot of the other superheroes in the Marvel universe because of that, like mysticism and magic. Mm -hmm. Like when you think Marvel superhero, you think, you know, first thing that comes to your head might be mutants or Avengers. And that's the main thing you think of. But like the magic corner of Marvel is one that kind of like doesn't get as much focus. But if you really look into and read it, it's a lot of fun. Just the, like the magic corner. We got him and and Scarlet Witch and, and Dr. Voodoo. And there's a lot of lot of fun magic characters, mm -hmm. even Loki, even Loki somewhat. So uh, I really I remember really enjoying that series. And I think Donnie Cates took up Dr. Strange after him and he had a nice little run. So Dr. Strange is a fun character. Yeah. Um, 
I know when we first started talking about doing this movie and even earlier, you're like, I've only seen it one time. I have only seen it one time, but I did not even see this movie in the theaters. Like my first time watching this was on home viewing, like the same way the second time I just watched it at home. And I kind of regret it a little bit because a lot of this movie seems like it would have been fun to see in theaters. Like, can you take yourself back to the place where you saw this movie? Because you saw this in theaters, right? Yeah, no, it was great in, to see in theaters. Like I said, the effects, this, I mean, as we just got done talking about, there are, the, you know, these movies, these MCU movies are made to be seen on the big screen. You know, they're for the most part. And this one is one of the more. Like I said, I can make an argument that Black Widow didn't need to be seen on the big screen. I could have been fine watching that on Disney premiere. Uh, Doctor Strange is definitely one that I think was made for theaters. And I think it showed with the effects, the craziness. Uh, like I said, the Christopher Nolan inception, like, you know, buildings collapsing on themselves, the camera spinning, the camera work, the, the mysticism, the, the stuff was awesome to see on the big screen. And it made for I, my my history with this character is was nothing before that. Like I was aware of right. it, see him in a cartoon here or there, never really looked too much deeper into it. And that being my first experience, I remember being surprised and like, man, that was a lot of fun to to mm-hmm. go through and watch this movie on the big screen. So I think this was one worth catching yeah yeah like i if i could hop in a time machine or hop in my with my time stone and turn back time i would probably go back and see this in theaters definitely um i still remember the first mention i don't know if you remember this the first mention of dr strange in the mcu was actually happened in um captain america the winter soldier there's a scene where um Steve and Natasha are on the roof, like interrogating this guy who's like that double agent guy. Yeah, yeah. Who was like posing as a shield agent, but he's really working for Hydra. And that's what that whole movie was about. Like, you know, double agents and shield and Hydra. But they were interrogating him and they threw him off the building. And then Falcon comes up and swoops him up and takes him back to the top. And I think that's the first appearance of Falcon, which is really cool too. Mm-hmm. But um, so they're interrogating this guy and like, how deep does this conspiracy go? And the guy was like, we're, we're trying to keep people in check. Uh, you know, Bruce Banner, Stephen Strange. And I remember when that happened, I was like, whoa, Stephen Strange. Stephen yeah. Strange exists in the MCU. And that was just like an oh shit moment. Like, oh man, like we'd never heard anything about Doctor Strange being in the MCU yet. So I still remember watching Winter Soldier and be like, oh yeah, they're getting to Doctor Strange eventually. Um, I don't remember how many movies before Doctor Strange Captain America was. Mm-hmm. winter soldier but that was a fun little fun little mention right there and that was our first mention of dr strange um now i'm curious where that falls because why would hydra be paying attention to a surgeon right L- or unless, unless there was a year lap or something yeah they could have been i don't know that's a good question why were they paying attention to a surgeon but was he dr strange at that already at that point and that's we what like, i'm curious kind of about because yeah rewindings we had i don't know yeah, because the Winter Soldier came out in 2014. Doctor Strange was to 2016. So if okay. you follow that logic, he would have just been a doctor at that point, unless there was a time jump in there from the, the accident to... Uh-oh, we may have caught a loophole here. Yeah. <laughs> they they did mention him. Uh, no, I remember them doing they, it. Yeah, they didn't say Doctor Strange. They said Stephen Strange. Mm-hmm. So, so that'd be something that we might have to look into for the future. Uh but I'm with you on the pros of this movie. Like visually, this movie is just stunning. Uh, it's it's really the 
it's quite an achievement and a welcome departure from like a lot of other stuff we've seen in superhero films. Um, it took a lot of, uh, you could tell that the director, Scott Derrickson or Erickson, I think, mm-hmm. you know, he might be a big fan of Christopher Nolan's inception because a lot, a lot of stuff is there, like the buildings falling in and like the physics of things just working differently and, and working in that way. Um, so yeah, the visuals of this movie were just top notch, I think probably some of the best the mcu has presented to us this far thus far yeah Um, absolutely um another pro i really like about this movie we say this a lot but i feel like the casting of benedict cumberbatch as dr strange is just like makes sense no it's it's the only casting that makes mm -hmm. as much sense or like just need needed to be done as much as like robert downey jr as tony stark like that mm-hmm. idea of Robert Downey Jr. being Tony Stark just always, you know, sometimes there's just like, there's only one person who can play this character. Yeah, it just clicks. It just clicks. It just... Like you're just like, that has to. I mean, even if you follow like his real life and his downfall and knowing that that character de- dealt in the comics, they didn't touch it in the movies, dealt with alcoholism. And I mean, that was a whole big thing in the 90s with Tony Stark. And then just be like, oh my God, they cast Robert Downey Jr. who's had his own problems with substance and everything. You're just like, this is like, mirroring life yeah. like he's a real life tony stark so having him play him is perfect and i think benedict here as dr strange just is like i mean it's just the easiest casting in the world yeah you couldn't imagine really anybody else doing it he's got uh you know the look down the look is 100 percent perfect there yeah and like that also speaks to the the um wardrobe and costuming of this movie is great they like got those down like all the outfits mm-hmm. just dr strange's look is perfect um, I don't know. It, the costume design's top notch. Like I said, this, I also think the CGI works in this. This movie is very CGI heavy, mm-hmm. which you would expect being a, a, a MCU movie dealing with like the mystical side mm-hmm. of the MCU. So there has to be a lot of CGI, but a lot of times we criticize things that are too CGI heavy. But this movie, I felt like had to be because of the material it's working with. Right. So. I don't think there's really a complaint you can have with the CGI, right? Like it's, it all, it all works. Like it yeah. take, this is taking you on like a, a trip, like you're on some kind of, you know, drugs or something, you know, in a lot of these scenes, like, man, I, I feel like I'm on acid, but it's like, it, that's what this movie is. It's like a trip, man. It's a yeah. trip. No, absolutely. It, uh, it still holds up. The special effects still look great. And they uh, makes the movie and it makes this movie feel more special because they were talking about more, as a uh origin story like mm-hmm. this is you know a lot of times origin stories are kind of like okay okay let's get to it you know and this one i thought for an, being an origin story really did a great job of setting itself up and not like hanging too long in the origin if that makes right. sense. right like they jumped pretty quick into like all right here we are and they i don't know they just did a good balancing act of giving us the origin while letting us know that this picture has a lot more going on yeah, and that is kind of the dredges we can fall into with origin movies is they do take too long. This one was was good as far as like what it's taking us to take get from how this guy started to getting to what he is. Now in certain like to the hero he's going to be. In certain parts I felt like maybe they rushed it a little bit. Um a little bit. Yeah, they and did. My, and my, yeah, my example of that is like I feel like he mastered the mystic arts a little too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he go from being a guy who doesn't know anything about this and this is all just brand new to him 
to being like pretty much the strongest sorcerer. Photographic memory. I guess. I guess. (laughs) You can kind of explain it. Photographic memory gives you the ability to read stuff and copy it, mimic it back. It doesn't always allow you to comprehend what you're seeing. (laughs) Like it's good for remembering things and catching stuff, but comprehension is is sometimes a different thing. I'm not not doing a knock. I have a pretty decent photographic memory, but I don't understand everything. So I can't imagine you learning the mystic arts just because you could look at a page and remember that page later. But yeah. I never tried to learn mystic arts, so I don't know. Not yet, anyway. I not know. saying, not saying you won't try. Um, I don't know what, what were some of the other drawbacks of this movie. Do you well, think? I mean, even just the idea. He was. I mean, literally, he just got done saying, "Hey, I'm not here to fight a war. I'm just here to learn some shit and get my hands back and get back to my life. I'm not here to fight a war." But then it was. I mean, I understand they had that like attack and stuff. But I mean, he was pretty quick to be like, "I'm all he in," was. and like he, he just was. all of a sudden jumped from "I'm not in this" to "I'm going to be I'm in the master of everything and you know care about so much more." And I mean, they had. They had some stuff with the ancient one. They had some, you know, some trauma happen that maybe invested him a little bit heavier. But that was a quick flip switch of they they took no time from him saying, I'm not here to fight your war to yeah, I am. Yeah, now I'm in this. I'm in this. Um, one attack. That's all it took. One attack. And that kind of brings us to some of the supporting characters, which some MCU movies I feel like are really strong with the way they also include their supporting characters. This, this one I felt like could have maybe done a little bit more with some of the other, other characters. And I've talked in the past about, um, I feel like the MCU has a core at its core, just has a villain issue still to this day. And this movie is not exempt from that. I feel like this movie really suffered um, from making a compelling villain. Yeah. Because, I mean, we have, I think his his character name, it's a little hard, is like Calisius in this movie is supposed to be the main big bad, even though there's a yeah. swerve big bad. But Calisius played by Mads Milliken. I don't know if I have that pronunciation right. Mickelson. Mickelson, okay. Mads Mickelson. I love that dude. Um, yeah, he's, you know what? And that's my point is he's a great actor and he's been in a lot of, you know, he's a strong, you know, very talented guy. And I feel like he was kind of wasted in this movie yes. as, as this character that his, his reasons for doing what he's doing were, were presented to us and nothing was like very strong. It was kind of a very weak reason for being a villain. Um, and, and besides just the way he looked, you know, he had the cool look on his face after he opened the dark dimension and started following Dormammu. I mean, that looked cool, but he was just kind of underutilized. I didn't feel like he, Nothing about him was very compelling to me. He just kept popping in every now and then like, oh, I'm a student of the ancient one who's gone the other way and I'm going to fight you. But for what reason? Like, what is the real reason you want to? Uh, Just to bring Dormammu into this world. But what? Like, it kind of just, it just doesn't, it didn't, it didn't grab me enough. Yeah. And And that just goes back to me thinking like not enough MCU villains have a good enough reason to make me care about what they're doing. I don't know if you felt that way. Well, especially in the, origin stories you know and this one came in under two hours as a leaner movie they really did just hit the origin and when i think back to this movie yeah i don't really think about the villains i don't think about i mean mad's character would you say Cassilius? yeah Cassilius or something Cassilius, like something, like something similar to that yeah. yeah and and the fact that we can't remember 
mm-hmm. because it wasn't right. said in the movie enough times to you know because he didn't matter and i mean right. ultimately with the swerve with uh normando normando dormando <laughs> dormamu dormamu <laughs> it's with, very hard you know with him i remember his they they made him very memorable in this movie even though he was this big cgi head in the, in the sky but the whole groundhog day ending thing mm. kind of set up and i that's way more memorable as a bad guy but i can't tell you anything and i've seen this movie three or four times now and i still can't tell you anything mads was doing yeah and why he was doing it or where he mattered because ultimately the big bad was dormammu yeah and that whole scenario and then dr strange dealt with him and once he got done dealing with him movie was over yeah and even dormammu being featured then as the real big bad at the end he just kind of had that one scene which was an interesting interesting take on how you're going to defeat a villain like trap them in a loop and yeah and make them you know so tired of killing you uh, a million times that they eventually give up that's a nice twist and i like that yeah it was, but Dor- Dor- it was funny but dormammu is also a you know big big villain in the marvel comics history Mm -hmm. so i feel like even he was a little underused they could have done a little bit more you know with him because he he, it seemed like he wasn't featured enough so just those two things combined just i feel like the the whole villain thing in this movie was a little underwhelming well there's a there's a third part to this villain problem is mordo because mordo Mordo is in comics as dr strange's main antagonist yeah he's like his nemesis they kind of threw that curve going hey he's going to be his sidekick in this movie Mm -hmm. and we're going to show him start to switch because when the ancient one when they find out that the ancient one is using you know sucking keeping staying alive by using the dark energy from the dark universe to stay alive mordo is like what the hell we're not supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. this you're telling us this this, and this and you're over here doing it so he got all mad and when they we ended this movie mordo was like i can't be with you guys anymore and he was even in the end end credit scene coming after benjamin bratt's character and sucking his power going we've used too much (laughs) yeah i'm the bad guy and basically setting him up to be the villain of the sequel but was he set up well enough to be a villain that you want to see and now my main question to you is is he going to be enough to be is he even going to be the villain of in dr strange in the multiverse of madness and at this stage in the mcu is he enough i mean now we're talking about multiverses we're thinking we're thinking multiverse of madness and we got um scarlet witch going to be in this movie we're thinking of all of the things that are going to come out of spider-man multiverses coming out of loki is Mordo going to be enough as a bad guy? Is he going to is he going to tie into the multiverse thing, or is are they going to even just skip past that? And Mordo is just right. not even going to be in it. Like, where do we fall now from where the MCU is now versus where it was in 2016? And then Mordo as your main villain is that something you want to see? Yeah, see, we think along the same lines because I was gonna totally get to Mordo. Um, Mordo, I feel like maybe is the true villain at the end of the day. So yeah. we're talking. We were talking about Calisius and Dormammu, but at the end of the day, I feel like this is an origin story not only for Doctor Strange, but it's also the origin of what made Mordo into the the bad he's going to be. Yeah, uh, I think he has already been confirmed for the Multiverse of Madness, and you know, excuse my pronunciation. I think it's Chuatel Ejuofor. He's got a very hard name. And I hope I got close to it, but who plays Mordo. And I think he did. a. I liked his character in this movie. 
um, because he just had more to him as a villain who wasn't a villain. And then we see at the end, he does is becoming one. You know what I mean? Seeing that progression of a villain makes you care more. That's why we've cared, you know, about Loki and all these other villains who've had more of a, uh, a growth throughout things. And he's not just bad right off the bat and he's a throwaway. So I do feel like they're going to use Mordo in multiverse of madness. Um, I think he, like I said, I think he's already been cast, but like you said, it is going to get very tricky. Um, Cause now we're going to, we're going to start talking about our predictions too, for the future of Dr. Strange. And he does have that movie coming out. We all know that Wanda is in it too. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with her. She isn't the other besides Dr. Strange. She's the other big part of, of magic. Mm-hmm. In the MCU and comic books so I don't know if they're going to initially team them up or if maybe Wanda is going to initially be the antagonist of that movie it's going to be like Doctor Strange versus Wanda because we've seen WandaVision she's hell-bent on finding her kids she now has this crazy book that's given her a ton of powers they're talking about her being more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme so are they going to butt heads initially and uh, we think she's going to be the villain, but really they'll end up teaming up to take on something more. Is that going to be Mordo or could it be something completely different? We'll probably also get a lot of questions answered with what Dr. Strange does in the Spider-Man No Way Home movie. Mm-hmm. That might that might make things a little more clear. But um, yeah, I do think Mordo is going to play a bigger part in in things moving forward. His last line in this movie, Dr. Strange was like, I'm not going to something along the lines of I'm not going to let there be any more sorcerers because, yeah. you know, he sucks the powers out of Benjamin Bratt, which he's or the the magic out of him because whatever. He didn't want him around, which is crazy, which is funny. Uh, just like the Benjamin Bratt popping into that movie just real quick to yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I went to this mystic place and they healed me. Then I just came home to play some basketball. Yeah. Like what? Well, I had enough. Work? The ancient one was cool with that, just letting you walk out. Like, yeah. I got my back healed. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that, that's that was. I was totally laughing at that during the movie. But um, yeah, I, I think Mordo can play a bigger part. Like, what do you feel about him? Yeah, I hope so. I love that actor. I he he pops up and stuff. He's just great. I remember seeing him for the first time in Serenity, the the Firefly movie. And yeah. uh, he was the bad guy in that. And just every time he's popped up in anything since then, it's just been, it's always been a pleasure. I'm very excited. Um, and I didn't realize when I was looking up here a minute ago to see if he was in Dr. Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which he was, he's also in, they're doing an old guard too. So I didn't know that they were making that. Yeah. I got to finish old guard one before I can watch that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was fine for, it was yeah. fine for a Netflix movie. It looked a little fake. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Patty, Patty loves hearing that. Patty Jenkins. <laughs> um, no, I, but yeah, I think as a villain, once again, not knowing who Mordo was going into this movie, still barely knowing outside of the fact that I know he's a big deal, a bigger deal than he was really given in this movie. It's just weird to this idea. He just seems so small as a villain now because we didn't see him really do anything in this movie to warrant mm-hmm. the idea of him coming and being like the big bad for Doctor Strange 2. And as yeah. you just said, Scarlet Witch, they're setting her up almost as a bigger bad and being a bigger troublemaker than Mordo. So it's kind of like, I'd love to see that dude. Obviously, we're going to see him come back and I'm assuming he's going to have something to do with it. But what what is he going to have to do? And you know, so I'm, I'm interested. I'm excited to see, but 
they got a lot of villain yeah. work to make this work. And maybe because Wong now we know is in Shang-Chi and neither right. one of us have seen that yet, but whether or not that ties in, Mordo could be in that. Yeah, or there could be more. Out. There there definitely could be more tie-ins than we know. We'll have to see Shang-Chi before we can make that decision. Um, yeah, they got a, they got a lot of thing, a lot of options, let's say to what, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness can be. It is one of my more anticipated movies. The further we get into this multiverse aspect of the MCU, um, I'm really excited for Spider-Man as we just talked in our last episode. We both are. But pretty much following close behind that is Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Super interested to see what they do with the Wanda tie-ins and everything. It should should be a lot of fun. The biggest thing that got me so pumped for that movie is when they announced Sam Raimi as the director. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And they basically said this thing's going to be a horror film. And just that idea, Multiverse of Madness, the possibilities of what they could do this movie. And then you threw Sam Raimi in there as the director of this bad boy. Dude, that's going to be insane. Sam Raimi with some money is mm. ridiculous. And giving him, like I said, that horror, let him go back to those horror roots a little bit. He did it. It's my favorite scene in any Spider-Man movie. Any Spider-Man yes. movie is that scene with Doc Ock where they're doing the surgery. And then they, yeah. they go full Evil Dead with those claws attacking people. That is amazing scene. And so much, like, he paid so much homage to his yeah. past and the Evil Dead things. But just the way that that was shot and that horror aspect that he threw into that was so amazing. And the idea of him being able to do some of that stuff with Doctor Strange and the MCU behind him, that's just I mean, it has my creative juices flowing. And once again, as we talked about earlier, I hope I could see this on a big screen. <laughs> Yeah, totally. You give that guy a blank check to do whatever he wants to do with like his creativity and imagination, like who knows what he could do. And that's not to say I didn't think that the director of this part one shouldn't have. I mean, he accomplished something really well here, too. Yeah. So if if he would have been the voice behind Multiverse of Madness, I'd have been like, great, let's go. Round yeah, two I wouldn't have minded. Um, I don't know what the full story behind him not doing the sequel is. We'd have to maybe look into that. But Sam Raimi being the you know creative force behind the multiverse of madness is really exciting yeah um so that yeah that's definitely another reason why that movie is high on my list and i just think dr strange has kind of earned his place now with his further he he's further featured in infinity war which he had a ton of great scenes in that and um you know he was one of the characters who was uh dashed away after the snap mm-hmm. so we didn't see we didn't see much of him in endgame but he had a lot to do in infinity war man and he had one of the more iconic battles with thanos yeah when it was like dr strange and thanos one-on-one like him yeah. using the him using the eye of agamotto versus thanos with the other stones like that was some super cool stuff man like yeah. when they were they were throwing magic at each other and and dr strange floated up and like did that weird thing where he had a ton of different arms yeah, and yeah, yeah. became like a hundred different Dr. Strangers and threw all those whips on Thanos. I was like, this is awesome. Yes. So, so Dr. Strange being a, a primary focus moving forward, which kind of feels like what they're doing now yeah. is, is very, very cool to me. So it's awesome. I don't know. Yeah. You feel that too? No, yeah. yeah. It's, it, I mean, he seems to be, I know they're going like, well, where do we go? We don't have Steve. We don't have Tony. Where do we go now with the MCU? Who's going to lead it? They kind of leaned heavy into Peter Parker in that mm-hmm. last Spider-Man movie, the, uh, the, the, the far from home one. They've been leaning right. into that one of him taking over from Tony Stark and being kind of the leader of the Avengers and the leader of the MCU, but he's still young and he's still doing these things. And 
teaming him up with Doctor Strange in this new Far From or No Way Home movie really is interesting way to do that. It's really kind of almost give Peter another mentor of really who is in charge, especially as we go into this multiverse era of the MCU. You kind of need someone who could, who's fluent in multiverse. Mm-hmm. And we already know that Doctor Strange is because he did that in Infinity War where he looked through every timeline to try to find the yeah. one that needs to happen. So I think that it's a perfect person to t- wrap this around if you're going to go into the multiverse in any way. And just the idea of the future of the MCU being like really deep into the mystic side of mm-hmm. Marvel is kind of awesome. Yeah, it seems like him and maybe Loki and maybe Wanda are like the ones leading us forward into this new into this new MCU. I mean, we got Sam Wilson cap, but he's just like, he can fight guys on the street, but is he really going to, you know, pave the way going forward? We don't know. This is yeah. all just speculation, but I feel like Dr. Strange is a good choice. Benedict Cumberpatch has done a great job um, in everything we've seen him in so far. Yeah. So he seems to be having fun. He does. So really to talk about the 2016 movie, I thought it was a really good accomplishment. Um, I wouldn't say it's my favorite MCU movie, but it's pretty damn good. It's pre- it's 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 up there on the list of of movies that I feel like were really really just you know good and a fun time. It's one of the better of the origin, right? Right. As one far as the... origin movies go, it, it was one of the better of the origin. And it stinks that it's taken us this long to get the sequel. Um, right. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for that. It's one of the more bigger sequels. I'm excited for as we head into which ones we are getting. I think this one moves the needle. I think it ends up moving the needle a lot more than some of the other ones potentially can, just because like I said, if we're diving in the multiverse, here we go. Yeah. And then we're also in a time now where it's like, man, I'm almost excited for all of them. There's, it doesn't feel like there's a dud coming. Cause while you're saying that, I'm like thinking like, well, then there's the Thor movie. Oh, I am really excited for Thor. Yeah. And then there's another Ant-Man movie. Oh, Quantumania. Kang is going to be in that. I'm really excited for Ant-Man Quantumania. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, they're not they're not missing in my hype level right now. So it's it's crazy. No, it's crazy. I'm, pumped for, I'm pumped for the Marvels. I'm pumped for Black Panther 2. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm 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 in for most of them. Yeah. At this point. You and me both. You and me both, my friend. But first, we got to get through uh we got to go see Shang-Chi and see if yeah. Eternals is going to come out into theaters this year, if they're going to delay it. But the way that the box office is going this weekend, it looks like they're going to make their money enough to warrant. I don't think they're going to move. No, I don't think so either. Shang-Chi seems, Shang-Chi seems like it's doing well enough in theaters where I don't see why they would. It seems like people are interested enough to still go see these MCU movies, even in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And they even got me, man. I, I didn't think I was going to go see it. I didn't think I was going to go see it until uh, I thought I was going to wait until it hit Disney Plus. But the hype is too real for me at this point. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. I probably will end up going to see it tomorrow on Labor Day. Got the day off work. Maybe I'll celebrate it by going to see an MCU movie. Yep. But uh, we'll see about that. Um, I don't know. One of the nice things now is we have that ability to pick seats. True. So we can Very see true. how full the theater is. Like if I if I couldn't look and see that the theater was empty, yeah, it would be a lot harder for me to want to go. But now that I can look and be like, ah, oh, this show, this one o'clock in the afternoon showing looks empty. I'll go with these couple people. All right. I feel all right about it. Yeah. Yeah. We get totally. to make sure we feel good. But I'm super pumped. 
for all of the MCU that's coming and it keeps giving us stuff to talk about. And hopefully you guys all like continuing to listen to us talk all about this MCU because I don't see it going away anytime soon. Oh, no. Because, like I said, we're loving it. Good. <laughs> Mick loving it. We're loving Mick, it. Like we're McDonald's. loving it. <laughs> <laughs> we're Mick loving uh, it. Yeah, man. Doctor Strange is a lot of fun. I'm glad we could talk about it a little bit. We never really talked too much about it, but it's a good movie to rewatch and relive. So, yeah. Um, and now with, having, yeah, now with having access to all these on Disney Plus, it is easy to dive back through some of the lesser known MCU or lesser watched MCU movies, which I do think Doctor Strange kind of does fall into that category. So I'm very excited to uh, be able to do that from time to time. And I want to keep us talking about some of the older movies and the older things to talk about that everybody has already yeah. seen and uh, if you guys have any suggestions for us anything that you'd love to hear us talk about make sure you shoot us over an email at raised geek at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter at raised a geek definitely love those suggestions um, what you might want to hear us talk about hit us up absolutely we love to hear from you guys it's a it's a it's a community where we got here so we want to hear from you and we want to talk and, and uh keep the train rolling absolutely but i think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the raise the geek podcast so until next time i'm chris and i'm done and thanks for listening to the raise the geek podcast where we all speak geek